Okay, so we're going to pick it up from the Gemara on the bottom of Chafam at Beis. The Mishnah, the Mishnah had just said like this. One second, let's get the video. There you go. The Mishnah said that if, let's say, uh, you want to authenticate a document, so you have two witnesses, Reuven and Shimon signed it, so Reuven and Shimon come forward. So ideally, Reuven says, that's my handwriting, and that's Shimon's handwriting, and Shimon says, that's my handwriting, and that's Shimon's, and that's Reuven's handwriting. So each signature is identified by both witnesses. The question is, if Reuven just comes forward and says, that's my handwriting, doesn't know about Shimon's, he says, that's my handwriting. And then Shimon says, I don't know about Reuven's, but that's my handwriting. So each one is identifying one signature, is that enough? Rebbe said, no, it's not enough. You need two or witnesses for each signature. And the Rabbana said, no, one, one signature is enough. At the end of the day, both signatures were authenticated. So the Gemara explains what is the fundamental machlaikas, what's the lumdis behind this. So Kishatim Tzoloimar, the Gemara says, when you analyze this, Ladibi Rebbe, go to the next page, Chafal from Aleph, Al-Ksav Yodin Rebbe says, when these witnesses, Reuben and Shimon, so again, so Reuben and Shimon come forward, just started. Reuben and Shimon come forward, and they say that, and they um, and they are trying to recognize their own handwriting on a loan document. Reuben just recognizes his, Shimon just recognizes his, just one witness per signature. Rebbe says, not good enough, the Rabbanon say it's fine. So what's the machloi? Because it says the Gemara, According to Rebbe, the witnesses are, are, are being made on their handwriting. They're not being made on the content of the document. They're being made right now that that's their handwriting. That's all they're being made. Now, once you know that that's their handwriting, then you know it's a valid document, and the transitive property would make it that the document is valid. But that's not what's happening here. Right now, they are just coming to testify about their handwriting. Because that's the case, then it's like anything else that if you need ADUS, you need two people. So you need both witnesses to testify. You need two witnesses per signature because they're being testifying about the signature. The Rabbonin, though, the Dibber Chachamim, Amonashir Bishtarim Me'idin. The Chachamim say no. They're actually testifying about the loan. Meaning, when Reuben and Shimon signed this document, Reuben and Shimon was saying that the loan took place. Now, when Reuben and Shimon are coming to authenticate their, their signatures, they're not testifying about their signature. They're retestifying about the loan by saying that's their signature. Because that's the case, you only need two witnesses total. Because any loan, you only need two witnesses. So Rebbe holds that you need four witnesses, two per signature, because you're testifying about the signature. And each signature is a standalone concept. It needs two. The Rabbanans say, no, you're not testifying about the signature. You're testifying about the loan. And therefore, all you need is two witnesses. That's the Machlaikis Rebbe and the Rabbanan. So the Gemara says, Pshita, yeah, it's Poshet. I mean, what other option is there? So the Gemara says, the Chiddush is like this. You might think that Rebbe's uncertain, right? Rebbe requires two witnesses per signature. So he said it's because he holds that you're testifying about the signatures and not about the loan. And the Rabbanon say, no, you're testifying about the loan and not the signatures. So he said, it's Pasha. The answer is, the Chiddush is that Rebbe is definitive because it could be that Rebbe is not sure what the, what the authentication process is really doing. Maybe they're testifying about the loan. Maybe they're testifying about the signatures. And when he said 
you need four witnesses, meaning two per signature. He was just being machmer. But really, he's not sure. Now, the reason why this is important to understand what they hold is because there is a huge nafkamina, whether you hold they're being testifying about the signatures or about the loan. In addition to the amount of witnesses you need, there is an additional nafkamina, and that is, Maudisim, you might think, Lurebi Sufuki Misafkale. The Rebbe's uncertain, whether the witnesses are testifying about their signatures, or are they testifying about the loan? Now, if Rebbe is not sure, that means that he's being machmer both ways. What's the nafkamina? Nafkamina, hechadimis chad menayu. The nafkamina is, you have Reuven and Shimon that signed a loan document, and then Reuven dies. So Shimon comes forward and he says, that's my signature, right? He identifies his signature. Can he be one of the witnesses that identifies Reuven's signature? So the answer is, says the Gemara, it would depend on these two opinions. Because if you hold, then the Gemara says like this, According to, if you hold that they're testifying about the loan itself, then if Shimon, if Reuven dies, right? So Shimon comes forward and testifies about his loan, his signature. So that means he's testifying about 50% of the loan, right? He would not be able to be one of the witnesses for Reuven's signature. I'll tell you why. Because Reuven's signature, Reuven died, so Reuven's not here. So you're going to need two people to come forward. If two people come forward and one of them is Shimon, then in essence, Shimon has identified 75% of the loan. Now, if he's, a, if he's testifying about signatures, that's fine. But if he's testifying about a loan, the halacha is, when you need two witnesses for a loan, each witness is supplying 50% of testimony about the loan. One witness cannot supply 75%. So if you hold, so a huge nafkamina of whether you hold, whether these witnesses are testifying about the loan itself or about the document, is if one of the signees dies, one of the witnesses dies, can the other witness serve, not only testify about his signature, can he also be one of the two witnesses to testify about the other? You see, when you have two, when both of them are alive and they both testify about each other, they're both doing 50%. Or when two witnesses are alive and one is just testifying about his, the other one testifies about his, again, it's 50%. Over here where Reuven dies, so Shimon does his part, which is 50%. Can Shimon be one of the witnesses to serve on Reuven's signature? Now, if they're testifying about the loan, then no. There's a special halacha that when it comes to loans, each witness can only be the source of 50% of the loan. So understanding what Rebbe holds, whether he's holding that you sign, that the witnesses are testifying about the signature, or whether the witnesses are testifying about the loan, is significant in this case. So when the Gemara says that Rebbe holds that you're that they're testifying about the signatures, and he's not unclear, he's definitive, that would mean that if Reuven dies, Shimon can testify about his own signature and about Reuven's signature, because it's not about the loan itself. The Gemara explains. Nafkamina, a difference would be about this shaila, about what they're testifying, it would be, is if one of the witnesses, let's say Reuven dies, 
So if Ruvain dies, you would need to testify about Ruvain's signatures. You would need two separate people. Shimon can't do that. Why? Because if Shimon serves that not only does he testify about his own signature, but he also testifies about Ruvain's after Ruvain passed away, then three quarters of the loan would be extracted based on one witness, which is not allowed. So you might think that when Rebbe said his opinion, he wasn't definitive that you're testifying about the signatures. Maybe he's not sure. Maybe he feels that maybe you're testifying about the signatures. Maybe you're testifying about the loan. And he would always be strict. Kamash no. Rebbe was definitive that the witnesses are only certifying their signatures, not the loan itself. And that would mean that according to Rebbe, Although Rebbe is strict in our Mishnah that you, he holds that you need, each signature has to be testified by two witnesses, he would hold that one witness can testify about his half and about his partner's half. Even though that would be 75% of the loan being extracted by one witness, Rebbe's fine with that because he holds it's not testifying about the loan, it's testifying about the witness itself, about the name itself. The Gemara says, the Amr of Yehuda Marav, Shnaim Achsum Nashtar, If two people signed the document and one of them died, Srikim Shnaim and Ashok Lahoydalov. You need two separate people. Again, that's the Shaila. The Shaila is when these two witnesses, Reuben and Shimon, sign a document, the Reuben and Shimon come to certify it, are they testifying that that's their handwriting? Or are they testifying that that's the loan that took place through testifying about their handwriting? And one of the Nafkaminas, Besides for the amount of people necessary, is can one witness, if one of the witnesses died, can one witness certify his signature and his partner's signature? If there's if they're testifying about signatures, then yeah. But if they're testifying about a loan, then no. Because you can't have 75% of the loan being extracted based on one witness. So the Gemara says, Rebbe and the Rabban are definitive. Rebbe feels that you're testifying about the signatures, which creates a leniency that you'd be allowed to testify about your signature and your partner's signature if the partner died, even though it's 75%, because it's just about a signature, it's not a loan. But it would also create a stringency that he would hold that you need two witnesses per signature. The Rabbonans say no, they're definitive, that they're actually testifying when they authenticate a signature, they're actually testifying that about the loan itself. And therefore that would create a leniency in our Mishnah that you could have one witness per signature, meaning Ruvain testifies about his signature, Shivan testifies about his, and that's enough, because each one's testifying about the loan, and the same way the original document had two, this also has two. But if you hold, but that also creates a stringency, and that would be that if one of this, if, if Ruvain dies, then Shimon cannot testify about his and his partner's because that would create 75% of the loan being extracted based on one person. The Gemara continues like this. Now, so let's say, according to the Rabbana, right, you have Reuven and Shimon. Um, Reuven dies. So Shimon comes forward. Now, he would say, I, I recognize my, my handwriting. That's great. But now he can't testify about Reuven because now it's 75% of the loan being extracted, meaning even with a different a different witness, even if, Reuven, if Shimon finds a friend... They both can't testify about that signature because that's 75% of the loan being extracted based on one witness. 
You see, if Reuben and Shimon are alive, then Reuben does his, Shimon does his. They were the original signees. They originally saw the loan. So they're just reiterating that. But now that Reuben died, now we need two people to testify about his signature and about his half of the loan. So if Reuben, so if Shimon does his half, and then Shimon is one of the two for Reuben, he's, in essence, testifying as he's, he is the, um, the power behind 75% of the loan. That's not okay. So the Gemara says, so what do you do? Besides forgetting someone else, so what, what's another option? So the Gemara says, What if Shimon, again, Reuben and Shimon signed, Reuben dies. So Shimon has, can testify about his half, but he can't, and he could only find one other person. See, he can't, we need, he can't be a part of that. But now we're, we're short one, meaning what if he can't find anybody? So the Gemara says, this is what he does. He takes Ruben, uh, Shimon signs his name on a piece of pottery, the and he sends it, he mails it to the court. So the Bezdin certifies Shimon's, again, you have Ruben and Shimon signed. Ruben dies. So Shimon now has a choice. If he testifies about his handwriting, he only he can only play his card once. If he testifies about his half, then his half is taken care of, but then Reuven's half is not taken care of. If he does Reuven's half, then Reuven's half is taken care of, but not Shimon's. And he can't do both because that's 75%. So you know what you do? Shimon testifies about Reuven's handwriting. Perfect. But now someone's got to testify about Shimon's handwriting, right? Shimon just testified about Reuven, so what about Shimon's? Shimon writes his name down on a piece of shard of pottery, sends it is to the Bezdin. The Bezdin will then take that, sh- that shard and compare it to Shimon's handwriting, and the Bezdin will authenticate it without the need of Shimon. So Shimon will testify about Ruvain's share, and no one will testify about Shimon's share, except they'll send it into the Bezdin, and the Bezdin itself will authenticate it based on comparison of signatures. So the Gemara says, So Shimon and that guy from the street testifies about Reuven's handwriting, and Shimon's handwriting is authenticated by him writing that piece of pottery and sending it into the Bezdin, and the Bezdin authenticates it. Yeah? Why can't it also be done for Reuven? So, now, I, I guess the difference is, because I, I, I was thinking about this, I had a Shiloh, to authenticate a handwriting based on comparisons, you actually need two documents. So over here you just have one pottery shard. So I think to answer both Yehuda's question and my question is, because Bezdin knows that Shimon signed it, they know that Shimon is the is the one who signed it, because he could just come in to uh, testify about himself. And they saw him write the pottery shard. Because of that, A, you don't need two documents, and B, they could only do this for Shimon's half and not Reuben's half, because Reuben is dead. So meaning, it's it's not just that Bezdin is authenticating, it's Bezdin knows with 100% certainty that Sherman was the signee, because they know it, because Shimon's like, this is my handwriting, he could come in to testify about that, we're just asking him to testify about Rubens, but he could, and because he could, and he signed it in front of us, that's that's enough, and that would exclude Rubens, because Rubens dead, that's what I would assume. Now, the Gemara says, so what Shimon does is he sends in a piece of pottery. Now, the question is, why pottery? Just, like, write on a piece of paper. The Gemara says, I'll tell you why. The, the, the issue is, um, 
it's very simple. You don't want to write your name on a piece of paper and then send it in because then someone could fill out a whole document. If someone is like a real evil person, right, and it says, you know, Ruvain Ben Yaakov, just on a piece of paper, then someone can write afterwards, loaned me a thousand dollars and he can get people to authenticate it and basically have a forgery. So don't write it on a piece on a piece of paper because you don't want to write your name on a piece of paper and put it in public because then someone can just it's like basically writing like putting out a check and anyone can play with it afterwards. You put on a piece of pottery which was not used for documents, that's obviously a lot smarter. Okay. Amr halacha the halacha follows the chachamim that it's enough to have one witness testify about each signature. Pshita, so meaning it was a Mishnah, a Machlaikis in the Mishnah between the Rebbe and the Chachamim, and we say the Halacha follows the Chachamim, so the Gemara says, Pshita, Yochiv Rabbim, Halacha Karabim. Anytime there's an individual against the Rabbim, you go with the Rabbim, so why do you have to tell me the Halacha follows the Rabbim? It's pretty poshim. So the Gemara says, Ma'u Desema Halacha Karebi Mechavei Rov, Afil Mechavei Rov, Kamash Malan. The Chiddush is that in general, when Rebbe argues with a different Tana, we follow Rebbe. So you might think that we follow Rebbe even against the majority. Kamash no. The Halacha follows Rebbe against one person, but not against the majority. Okay? Now, we had a Machlokas in the Mishnah between Rebbe and the Rabbonon. If you have Reuben and Shimon inside the document, and Reuben and Shimon come in to authenticate it, can Reuben just testify about his, and Shimon just testify about his? And Rebbe said, no, you need two per, and Rabbonon said, no, it's fine. So, and we said the halacha follows the chachamim, that one is enough. As long as they were the original signees, they could come in and testify about their signatures. Now, here was the shaila. The shaila was, I'll just tell you outside, then we'll see it inside. We're saying the halacha follows the chachamim, that one is enough, and not like Rebbe requires two. The problem is, there was a certain maisa where they required two, like the rabbonon, uh, like Rebbe. So if you tell me that the halacha follows the rabbonon, that one's enough, why in the following case did they have two witnesses per? The Gemara says, Amalei Rav, so who said what? But Rav said to Rav Yehuda, the last version. Did Shmuel actually say we follow the Rabban on that one witness is enough to authenticate his own signature? There was a certain document that came in front of the Bezdin of Shmuel and they were trying to authenticate it. And it said in that document the following. Rav Onar Barchia came and testified about the authenticity of his signature. And one of his friends, Ochana Barraba, testified about his signature. So it was two witnesses for the first signature. So because Rav Chana Baraba and Rav Onan Barchia testified about each signature, we're going to accept it. Meaning, this was a document that was up for authentication, and each witness, two witnesses, each one testified about each signature. It was two per signature. That's the sheet of the Rebbe. According to the Rabbanon, it's not necessary. So why did Shmuel require them to have both witnesses testify about each signature if that's following Rebbe, it's not necessary. So the Gemara answers, The answer is like this. Really Shmuel held like the Rabbanon, that this is not necessary. 
but he was machmer like Rebbe. Why? This document was a loan document to benefit um, orphans. And Shmuel was afraid that when this document is going to be used in a future time, it will be brought in front of a Bezdin. And what if that Bezdin is strict like Rebbe? Even though that's not the proper approach, what if a Bezdin will be strict by, like Rebbe and that Bezdin will not accept this authentication and these orphans are going to be messed up? So Shmuel said, really, it's fine to just follow the Rabbanon. That's the proper halacha. But I'm going to be strict according to Rebbe to make sure that this will be accepted in every court whether the court's knowledgeable and knows the proper halacha, whether the court's not knowledgeable, and he did this specifically because they were orphans and he didn't want them to have a hassle later on. Now, the Gemara continues. Now, what this means is, this is the following case. This is a case where you have uh, a document that not only was it signed by witnesses, it was also signed by a Bezdin that it was authenticated in front of a Bezdin. Then what happens is the person says, "I don't. I think both are a forgery. Meaning, you owe uh, I, you owe me money. So I have a document, and I go to a Bezdin in Brooklyn, and it says, you know, the certain witnesses, and it says it was authenticated in front of the following Bezdin of Queens, and it has the the Dayanim of that Bezdin, and you're like, they're both forgery. The witnesses are a forgery, and the authentication is a forgery. So now I have to prove in front of a third a third party that the authentication is correct. So what do I have to do? So says the Gemara, Eid v'dayin mitztarfin. I can just bring... Now, you have, listen, you have a couple choices. You could bring two of the Dayanim, and they could testify that it was authenticated. Or you could bring two of the witnesses, and they could re-authenticate it. But says Rabbi Yehuda Mishmuel, a chiddish. You could take a witness and one of the Dayanim, and they could serve as witnesses. The Dayan will testify about the authentication, that that's his signature in the Dayanis, and the witness will testify that he was one of the original signees, and that's enough. Now, the reason why that's very strange, that the Gemara instantly is going to reject this, is while you do have two witnesses, they're testifying about two entirely different things. I mean, the witness is testifying that of the original loan, and that's his signature, the Dayan is, is testifying that the authentication process happened in front of him. Now, they're not testifying about the same thing. While they might be testifying like the result might be the same, that the guy's going to have to pay, but it's strange to have two these two people join forces when they're not exactly testifying about the same thing. Meaning you should either have to have two of the Dayanim or two of the witnesses. Having one Dayan and one witness is a strange combo. So the Gemara says, How excellent this teaching is that an aid and the Dayan can combine. So the Gemara says, What are you talking This is very hard to understand. That which the judge is testifying is not the same thing as the witness is testifying and vice versa. They're not testifying about the same thing. And because they're not testifying about the same thing, they can't join forces. So he rejects it. He says that you can't get a, a judge and an aide. You either get two judges or two aid them. You can't combine them. The Gemara says, Don't follow the teaching of Yehuda, the brother of Shmuel. And that is, we don't combine an Eid and a Dayan. Go to the next page. So the Gemara says, 
So we don't follow that way. Okay. Ikla Rabbanoi Achud Rav Chibar Abba Lemizben Shumshomi. Rabbanoi, the brother of Chibar Abba, went to a certain place to buy sesame seeds. Omer Hachi Omer Shmuel, and while there he said the following teaching. Eid B'dayim Mitzdarfen. This teaching of Rabbi Yudha Shmuel that the witness and the judge can join forces. And he says, And Amemar said, Oh, how excellent this teaching. And Amemar said, Amemar said, Rashi said, Amemar said, Because your, 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 uh, your grandfather, Rami Barchama, praised this ruling, you're also going to praise it. It's not true. Rava already rejected it, and that's not the proper approach. We do not combine the witness and the judge. Okay. Whew. Two more sugyas. Two more sugyas. Let me preface the next part of the sugya. When a court would certify a document, right? so you have the signatures, and then they go to court, and it's authenticated in court, the Bezin would write down that it was authenticated on the document, and they would sign their names. So you'd have the document, and then on like a postscript, it was authenticated in front of the Bezdin of Queens, this rav, this rav, this rav. Okay, so, fine. The question is, like this. So that little postscript has two parts to it. It would say the following. We, the Bezdin of Queens, were sitting here, and it was authenticated in our presence, and they would sign A, B, and C, the three-day auto. The question is, can that be written and potentially signed before they did it. It seems not, but the Gemara is going to talk about this. What can be written before the authentication process? Meaning, let's say you have the sofa, and the sofa is like, listen, I'm here anyway. They're going to authenticate it tomorrow. Let me just write this in now, and then you'll sign it afterwards. right? Can you write the line, it was signed, it was authenticated in our presence at the Besant of Queens, period. Write that before the authentication, and then after it's authenticated, then you sign it. Isn't that similar to what they do with the ksuba? So with the ksuba, it's interesting that yeah, I was going to mention, I was going to mention this. The ksuba, what they do is, they fill out everything except for the word vikonina. Vikonina, so they, they fill out the whole thing before, then they do the kinyan, and they write vikonina. So the, the, the ksuba is not finished until at the time. If the ksuba was written before, it would be a problem. So there are parts of it that are not finished. The word Vikanina is so what? So why can't they do something similar to this? So I think over here it's a little bit worse. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, you know what? I because the over here there is no it, like the ksuba has a lot of information of like when the wedding took place, what's in the ksuba, all that stuff is not really is not a real issue to be written before. What you can't do is write something that seems to be a lie. You see, over here, in this this document, all that the, the, the Bezdin is writing as a postscript is, in our presence, it was authenticated. That's it. It's like Vikanina. <laughs> you understand? I mean, it's not like, it's not like the, there's the date and the location and the time. None of that. That stuff could be written before. The problem is, over here, you're writing before that sentence of, in our presence, it was authenticated, which is not true. So the question is, is that a problem to write before? You definitely can't sign it before it took place. That's just Sheker. You're signing a lie. The question is, can that be written before? Can you write 
it was authenticated in our presence, then do the authentication, and then sign it. So the Gemara says, Amr of Safra, Amr of Abba, Amr of Yitzchuk, Bar Shmuel, Bar Marta, Amr of Huna, Barmila, Amr of Huda, Amr of Hu, Amr of you have three judges that sat down with the authentication. So two of them recognize the signature of the witnesses. Maybe the third doesn't. So two of the Bezdin recognizes the signatures. So the halach is, as we're going to see in a little bit, two of them could serve as the Edom. If they recognize it, they, they could be the witnesses. So before the two of those three witnesses signed their names, meaning even though they wrote, you could write before we it was authenticated in our presence, before that process happened, that, that's fine. But what you can't do is sign it first. But he says, once two of the three have signed it, meaning, in other words, the Gemara is just writing in a roundabout way, you could write before the authentication process took place, you could write, it was authenticated in our presence. What you can't do is sign it. Okay. The Gemara rejects this instantly. The Gemara says, Umi kasvinan, how could you write it? How could you write that? Meaning, you're telling me that the only thing you can't do is sign it first. But you could write that line first. But how? Umi kasvinan, why are you allowed to do that? Isn't it seem like you're, 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 you're signing a lie? Because you're writing at 10 o'clock in the morning, it was authenticated in our presence when it wasn't, and you're signing your name to it after the authentication process, but what you're signing was a lie. Because at the time that it was written, it wasn't true. So at least, I don't know if it's a full lie, at least Rashi says it looks like a lie. So the Gemara says, Umi Kasvina, how could you write this? papi that if you have a certification process that was written before before um, it was written before the authentication process took place, meaning it was written the in our presence it was authenticated before that took place, Sula, you can't sign it. It looks like a lie. So why are you allowed to do this? So why says you're right. I take it back. You're right. Take it back. The second anything is written, all authentication has to take place before anything is written. You cannot write the authentication process took place in front of us if it didn't. Okay. Now, the last sugya, let's grab a tissue for one second. Okay. Sorry about that. Last sugya. Now, we see over here like this. The Gemara did mention that the case was, you have three of the Bezdin, two of them recognize the signature, one of them doesn't. So, the two testify in front of the third. Okay. Now, what you see from that, and I have a safer in front of me that that will describe it uh, in a nice way. What you see from that, the Gemara says, is Shmaminotlas. You learn three things from that halacha that if two out of the three recognize it, that two of the three, then the two that recognize it testify in front of the third, and that's acceptable and required. You learn three things from this. Shmamina, Aid Nasadayan. First of all, you see that the judges can serve as the witnesses. 
right? Because the two of the three see it, so they recognize it, so they're the witnesses, and they testify, and they're part of the Bezdin. So you see that you could serve, and this is relevant for the laws of Kiddush HaChaydish, as we'll see in a little bit, you see that number one, that a witness can serve dually as a dual witness dying at the same time, okay? Right, because they testify in front of one person. They don't testify in front of three, meaning they're at the same time a witness and a dying, okay? Number two, Shmamina, Hamakirim, Dayanim Hamakirim, Chasim The second thing you do realize is that who are they testifying in front of? The two that recognizing it testifying in front of the third, because he doesn't recognize. The implication is, the only reason why there's a testimony that's required at all is because the third one doesn't recognize. Let's say all three recognized. It seems like there would be no need to go through the process of testifying, right? It's not like, because the two that see it don't need to hear the testimony, just the third, because he doesn't recognize the handwriting. So you see from this, is that if all three were to see, were to recognize this handwriting, in there would be no need to actually go have a testimony at all. Because you see that from the fact that the two that see it don't require a testimony, just the third. So if all three recognize, there'll be no testimony. Now the Gemara is going to reject this, and the Gemara is going to say, maybe there is a requirement always to have a testimony. And the only reason why in this case the first two don't need to hear it is because the third guy is hearing a testimony, meaning maybe there's always a need for a testimony in all scenarios. At least one person hearing a testimony. And over here, you got the third guy doing it. But if all three saw it, then two would have to get up in front of the third and ceremoniously do it. But okay, but the Gemara is saying that you see from here the fact that there's no need to testify in front of the two. The only one that needs to hear the testimony is the third is because he doesn't recognize the name. But if all three recognize the name, there would be no need to testify at all. And the third thing you learn out from this is You also see that if two of the three recognize it, the third one can't sign off on it without hearing a testimony. Meaning, I could have heard the following, that you got two out of three, Maybe the third guy can sign off on it, even without hearing it, even without knowing it. Just saying, I'm signing off on the fact that my friends know about it. You might think that that might be enough. Kamashwan, no. Everyone has to know the information. The first two know it from their own self. The third one knows it from testimony. But there's no Indian of just like, you could sign it because you're relying on the other two. There's no such thing. A judge cannot sign off on something unless he knows either through his own knowledge or through testimony. Those are the three things that you see. Now, the Gemara is going to point out the thing that I mentioned. Now, the Gemara says, Maskele, Ravashi, Ravashi says, wait a minute. I agree with you. The Eid Nasadayin is a thing. Meaning, I agree with you. You do see from here that you could serve as a witness and a judge at the same time, for sure. That you prove. But the second thing that you proved, which was that you only needed testimony for the third, but the implication would be, had all three known about the signatures, there would be no need to actually have a testimony. I don't know if that's true. Maybe you always require some form of testimony, and over here, that's you're, require, you're covering that obligation with the third, but if all three knew, maybe you would have to have a ceremonial testimony. Maybe there's such a concept that a testimony is required to give kayach to Bezdin. The Gemara says... 
Maybe you always need to have some form of testimony. And if all three know the rec- recognize the handwriting, they would still need testimony. And over here you have that testimony with the third, but maybe you always need some sort of form of testimony. In addition, the last thing that you pointed out, which is that that you see from here that the third guy cannot sign off just based on, you know, the other two know it, that's enough. And he says the last one, that if the if witness, judges don't recognize the handwriting, each one requires testimony. I don't know if that's so true either. Meaning, the Gemara says, perhaps that you generally don't need to know the information. But over here it's different. The way that he explains it in the say, I have a safe in front of me. He says like this: Meaning, normally you don't have to testify in front of each one. So why over here does the second, the two have to testify to the third? In Araya, it's not a proof. In this case, meaning like this: In this case, the two testify to the third. What if um, two out of three didn't recognize the handwriting? So I would say, well, you'd have to testify to the first judge, then you'd have to testify to the second judge, then you'd have to testify to the third judge, because each judge has to know about it. The Gemara says, you, you can't prove that from this sugya. Maybe over here, the reason why they have to testify to the third is because they need some sort of testimony. But if the but if they already testified, let's say you have two out of three don't know it, and they testify to the second judge. Once the second judge knows, maybe the third one doesn't need to know. Meaning maybe all you need is some form of testimony and two out of the three knowing. That's all you need. It's not necessary for each one to have a testimony, some form of testimony. Meaning we get at first thought that it's required for each judge to know it through testimony, either through their own knowledge or through hearing a testimony. And that the Gemara says, no, perhaps all you need is one act of testimony and two out of the three judges knowing it. Okay, so it's, it's unclear. It's a little bit tricky, the last little part. Now, the Gemara ends off with the following kasha. Yosef Rav Abba v'kamer The kasha is like this. We're saying... It's a strange... We're saying right now that an aide can serve as a dayan at the same time, right? That means that the judge and the and the witness, you could be a judge and a witness at the same time. This is talking about seeing the new moon, right? So the seeing the new moon, right? Witnesses come forward and testify, and then the Bezdin, Yushalayim, the three members of Bezdin say, Mekudish, 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 and then it's Rishchaydish. So the Bryce, the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah says like this, Ra'uhu, if the Bezdin, Shlosh of Bezdin, the three members of Bezdin see the new moon, so they already know that it's it's Rishchodesh, because the Bezdin sees it, Yamdushnayim, two of the three have to get up, Yeshivu Mechavreyem Yachid. So two of the three get up, because you need some sort of testimony. But, they bring two other judges to sit down. So you have three members of the Bezdin, right? It's very simple. You have three members of Bezdin. You'll see the kasha is pretty clear in a moment. You have three members of Bezdin, A, B, and C. They all see the new moon. 
So A and B get up to testify in front of C, but C is one person, so you have to get two other members of Bezdin, so they get other two other Rabbanim, uh, D and E, to sit down with C. So A and B is now testifying in front of C, D and E. The question is, pause, we'll finish the Bryson. The question is, why? I thought you could testify, two can testify in front of the third, because they could serve as witnesses and, 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 and judges at the same time. Meaning in our case, where with the, with the signatures, the three Besden sees the signatures, two of them recognize it. Those two that recognize it stand up in front of the third and testify. I, there's no Bezdin, they're just sitting, standing in front of one person. The answer is, as they testify, as they're Edom, they're also Bezdin at the same time. But how come by Kiddush HaChadish, how come when it comes to Rish they have to get two other people to sit down, so they're always testifying in front of three? Why? Why can't they serve duly as witnesses and judges at the same time? And the two can testify in front of the third. That's the Gemara's Kasha. If you hold that an aide can be a judge at the same time, then why do they have to get replacements? Why can't they testify in front of the third? So we'll end with this. The Gemara says, I had the same kasha. I asked and The answer is very simple. The requirement of Bezdin by Rosh Chodesh is the Oraisa. Therefore, we're machmer to have two other members sit down. This requirement of authenticating documents is a rabbinic requirement. So therefore, because it's derabanon, will allow the witnesses to serve as judges at the same time. So one's deraisa and one's derabanon. I will stop here. We'll pick it up tomorrow. Position.